parent, I feel like the parent needs the confidence in order for them to fully support their child. And some people lack the confidence because they're afraid. It's new to them. They're afraid. Some of these parents, I'm going to be honest with you, they have never been a black community. They've never been to certain things. But these are things that they're going to have to be uncomfortable. If you're making this choice, you have to be uncomfortable. Colombian influence. Hey everyone. Sorry, I just surprised Erica by hitting record. She wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> are they looking at me? Thank God you I can't gotta see keep my you on face. your toes. I gotta keep you on your toes, you know. Seriously. <laughs> so we just talked to Amanda, who is the the voice, the person behind uh, Black Girl White Family. Um, we are we share her stuff on Instagram sometimes and kind of vice versa. Uh, she has a really great community that she started off, um, I think just about a year, well, I guess calendars mean nothing to me right now, but about a year ago and things have just taken off completely, uh, in our conversation with her, she has, um, done a lot with, I mean, she talks a lot about her bio family, um, as well as her adoptive family. And it's just a really, really different story than we've experienced in so many ways. Um, yes. And she also, I think diving into her Instagram and kind of what she does, she's such a great resource for hopeful yes. adoptive parents, white yes. parents, adoptees. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's transracial or not. I just think she is a great, another support resource that we are going to continue to share and um, have on our website, different things like that, because she's doing a lot of different online courses and things for parents. So yeah, another, she's a great resource for sure. Yes, and another wonderful person to add to our community that we really connected with so well. <laughs> yeah, before our episode, before what you guys are about to hear, we talk a lot about just like ourselves and, you know, we connected with her right away. So we are so excited for you guys to hear this interview. So uh, I guess let's not waste any more time. Here is Amanda. All right. Well, we are so excited to have Amanda here today. We've uh, been chatting a little bit and we know so far we know that she is a lover of ice. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome Amanda to Colombian Influence. Thank you so much. So why don't we just kind of start off with just a little bit about yourself, like where you were adopted from, where you live now, kind of just the uh, gist of where you grew up and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, I am living in Maryland now, and I was born and raised in New York. Okay. So I was born in the Bronx, and then I grew up on Long Island, which is about, I'm going to say, depending on what part, I grew up like about an hour from Manhattan. Okay. So it was pretty much like dead smack in the center of Long Island. You know, not too far like where the Hamptons were, but like, you know, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much where I grew up. Um, but I always um, strayed, I should say, <laughs> because I always felt like where I grew up was so boring. You know, it was small. Everybody knew each other. And I didn't want to be around people that I knew pretty much. Like, I just wanted to go out and meet new people. 
and the city fascinated me, which is, which is ironic because, you know, me being born in the city, um, you know, I just love going there. Mm-hmm. So then how old were you when you were adopted? Three days old. Three days old. Three days old. Oh, wow. I was adopted. Um, so the way it goes is that my parents, so they set out on their adoption journey. They told me that a couple of adoptions fell through. And um, then they obviously got word that, you know, my birth mother was having a girl, blah, blah, blah. And my mom was at work. She's a teacher. Well, both of my parents were teachers, but she was at work when she got the phone call saying that I was born. And I believe they went to pick me up, I believe, like a couple days later. Yeah. So they set out into the Bronx, which, was, like I said, was only like about an hour away. And they get to the hospital and the social worker at the hospital, apparently, well, let me backtrack. So they obviously had an attorney because this was a closed adoption. Okay. So okay. kind of like the middle person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the attorney goes out, meets them at the hospital and everything. And he goes in. Apparently the social workers were actually trying to talk my birth mother out of, um, you know, giving me to them because they were white. Oh, so wow. There was a lot of... Um, I'm going to say, I don't know if it was hesitation on my birth mother, but it just took longer than expected. So my parents were like, all right, you know, okay. So in the Bronx, there's a Bronx Zoo, famous Bronx Zoo. So Mm -hmm. my parents just went over there and they hung out there for about six hours. They returned back to the hotel and the attorney comes out and says, you know, okay, like everything is ready to go. Um, I'm going to go in there. Is there anything you want me to put on her or anything like that? So my mom told me that my friend gave her this pink little jumper and I think it had like bunnies all over it. And she gave it to the attorney to go put me in. So he goes in there, gets me and then walks out and hands me to my parents. And then my parents take me home. So it was a little bit of a process. Um, My parents never, um, they just wanted to become parents and Mm -hmm. they didn't care how that happened. They didn't care where I was from, you know, well, where the the child was from. Um, Obviously, they wanted a baby because a lot of people want to adopt babies. Uh, But, you know, they they, it wasn't anything like, you know, she's black. She's, you know, Hispanic, you know, whatever. Um, They just wanted to become parents. So that's how my life started with them. Okay. Yeah. And so what is your relationship like with your adoptive family then? So did you grow up in like a predominantly white neighborhood? Kind of what was that background like when you were growing up? So um, a year after they adopted me, they also adopted my brother. My brother was adopted from New Mexico. So we were a multicultural family. Yeah. So um, growing up, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. There was probably one other black family in. And it's really crazy because... Now that I think about it, I think that it was kind of like family members because it was like this one house. And there was, I remember always driving past and seeing black people outside doing yard work or just leaving for work in the morning. Um, But they lived there. I don't know if it was the same family and they just kind of like grew up and maybe they, you know, stayed in the house or whatever. But there was one Mm -hmm. house and they always had um, a black family living in there. But pretty much that was it. I think there was another family, probably like about like on the other side of the neighborhood. But again, it wasn't really like you could say, like I live in a, in a diverse area. Cause I just did not um, mm-hmm. Now 
the preschool that I went to was 99% white. I was like that 1%. I was like the only black girl in the class. When I got into kindergarten, that's when it was more diverse. And then when I got into middle school, everything was there. I mean, every type of culture was in there that you could imagine. So I was meeting people that were even like Haitian, Jamaican, you know, um, Asian, you know, uh, Korean, Vietnamese, you know what I mean? Colombian, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Dominican. I mean, that was everywhere. So it was very, um, I mean, to me, it was exciting. You know, it was really exciting to me because I'm like, look at all these different people. I don't feel so out of place. I don't feel so different because everybody has their own uniqueness. You know, everybody, it's not just like everyone's staring at me because I'm the only black person. I was around Mm -hmm. other black students. Um, I played lots of sports. So I actually developed a lot of friendships with, you know, black kids, Hispanic, everything. So that was very good. I, I believe like one thing I always tell my parents is I'm like the fact, like I understand you, you know, moved in a white area, but when they first moved in, they were like the first or second house on the block. Like it was a newly, it was being developed. So they kind of moved in there and then everybody kind of followed, you know what I mean? So it was like, they didn't even know cause it was, it was a mm-hmm. new development. So um, that was one thing that, you know, I think helped tremendously because I was exposed to other cultures. I was exposed to people in the black community. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how it was growing up. You know, when I went home, I was on the bus with all the white kids, <laughs> you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it was like, okay, why are they going that way? And I'm going this way, you know? So it was, it was confusing, I think when I was younger, but then, um, you know, when I got older, I started getting on their bus, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I'm going with them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I, I guess that it's, I'm very grateful because it just exposed me to so many different things. And I am a very, like, I love culture and not just mm. mine. I love, I just want to travel and eat food and learn language. And yes, I mean, like, I just want to, like, when I tell you, like, I have so many places on my bucket list, yep. I want to, I would just want to come back like fluent in something or, you know what I mean? But I think that that's why I'm like that because I was just exposed mm. to all these things and I just thought like, oh, that's cool. And I was always the type of person to say, okay, like what holidays do you celebrate? And like, do you want me to come oh, with you? I could, you know, but that's just how I grew up. So that's I think really that's really cool. Yeah. I love that. And I am the exact, like I am a tourist of food. Like that is the reason I travel is to eat like (laughs) straight up. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like the type of person that's on TikTok or Instagram looking at people making food. Yep. Same. Like the top restaurants in the DMV area or something like that, because it's like, how is this possible? Like, and why haven't I tried it? You know, exactly. So I really, um, I love that. And even now as an adult, I really feel most comfortable in diverse areas. Like mm. as I'm going through some, you know, a neighborhood or I'm like, say I'm moving and I'm looking, I need to see everything. I don't mm-hmm. want to be in a predominantly white. I don't want to be in a predominantly black. I want to see diversity in the kids in you know, in adults. I just want to see community. And that's pretty much like what I'm all about community, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I think that's really cool. And also very unusual for our, interviewees like with people that have not only grown up in a community that is 
I don't know, any type of diversity besides <laughs> just like predominantly white. Like that's most of the time yeah. what we get, especially for international adoptees. Mm-hmm. But this is like a whole new twist on that. And it, granted, it probably has a lot to do with where you were from mm-hmm. and where you grew up. And the fact that that even existed in that area mm-hmm. or like in an area that you were able to kind of, as you grew up, just kind of things were kind of revealing themselves to you and being like, this is the world. This is how things are. And I think that's really interesting and really cool that that kind of just turned out that way. Yeah. And, and you know what the thing is, I, I made a post on Instagram the other day and it was talking about, you know, allowing your kids to explore their identity. Mm. And a lot of parents want to, we want, they want to protect, even me as a parent, I want to protect my child, but it's like, you can protect your child from certain things, but I think preparing them for like society and going out and, you know, to the real world is better, you know, because you're not going to be able to protect your child mm-hmm. their, their whole life. You're not going to be around your child every single day, 24 seven when they go off into school. So preparing them and educating them and teaching them to go out into the world is, is good. And my parents gave me room to do that. They gave me room, you know, they, they, I had my morals. They, you know, they, I, you know, I knew what my home life was like, but I was also able to make mistakes. And I learned from those mistakes. And I feel like if I didn't do that, I'd be a wild child. And when I, you know, left their home, it would have been like, woo, you know what I mean? Like, you know, kind of girls gone oh, wild. Yeah. Thing. But, <laughs> I wasn't. but I wasn't because I kind of did that when I was a teenager. You know, I used to sneak into clubs. I used to do all this. I used to hang out with the wrong crowd. But I always knew this is, this is, this is not right. This is temporary. You know what I mean? It's fun. But I know I need to focus on my education. I need to do this, you know? So I think that's where, um, you know, home environment was very important. I was always able to talk to my parents. They were always Mm. honest with me. And I mean from everything, from finances to, you know, my adoption, everything. You know, we were just close in that aspect. Nothing was pretty much off the table. Wow. I think that's so important. And I love how you said just preparing your your child for that because you can't you, you can't protect them through everything. So I love the way you kind of laid that out for our listeners. That's a really good perspective on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So did you struggle then with identity issues growing up or not as much? Okay. Yeah, that was the hardest. Um, amongst everything, I struggled a lot with anxiety. There was a period of depression. Um, but the identity was the hardest out of them all. And as I'm older now, and I've started my own healing journey and stuff like that, it's because, and I think a lot of adoptees can relate to this. And most of the reason why is even though, you know, my parents were only able to tell me so much, they told me their side, but they couldn't tell me my birth mother's side of the story, you know? So it's still that hole, that void, that, But how am I supposed to even know, like, and it was so simple. And I know now it's kind of embarrassing to say, but it's like, I didn't even know what I wanted to go to college for because I felt like I didn't know who I was. Like, how do I know this is even really what I like? You know, we second guess things like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? If I grew up in the city or if I grew up my birth mom, would I be doing this? Would I be into this? Is this like a facade? Is this really my life? You know, and you always second guess things. 
And it's kind of like you're playing this role because you want to be that child. You know, you don't want to upset your adoptive parents, even though if they love you and you guys are close, you just don't want to have that and be like, okay, now I'm like the worst child. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now I'm the child that they want to get rid of or they never wanted. So that's where it came into play. So at the age of 14, I was really struggling with that. And most of it was is because I hung out with, at the time, I had a lot of white friends. Um, mm-hmm. I was a cheerleader. I was the only black girl on the cheerleading team for some time. Um, but I also played softball and volleyball. I did a lot of things. I had a lot of friends. But at that time, I was hanging out with a lot of white girls. <laughs> and they were all getting boyfriends and stuff like that. And I kind of felt out of place. And I was like, well, why don't they like me? You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, well, these girls are black and they kind of have crushes and they have like paired off. And I mean, it was 14, so it wasn't like that serious. But still, like I started to notice stuff like that. Um, And I didn't go to any of my proms. I just didn't. I didn't want to go to my proms at all. Uh, And that was part of my anxiety. I just didn't want people, you know, looking at me. I just always felt out of place. So um, that was probably about ninth grade. And then after that, um, at 15, I went to my mother and I was like, you know, I think I want to find my my birth mother. And that's how that talk started. Wow. Um, Young. That's like me. I was probably 15, 16 trying to figure myself out. Yeah. And it's it's weird. But you know what? Then you're thinking about junior year. You're here in colleges and what you want to do. And I think that's kind of what sparked it when I was like, I don't even know what I want to do, you know? So, um, so yeah, so we had the talk and I don't remember exactly what she said, but I think she was just like, telling me like kind of like not being negative but like do you understand like this you know she might not want to be found and we might not find her she went through that whole thing and I think we revisited like maybe like a couple weeks later and she was like all right if that's what you want to do that's what we'll do so then the hunt started <laughs> so what she did was she said okay so we had there was like I don't know. It was like kind of like finding long lost family members. And they used to have them on like all the talk shows. Like they used to have that 1-800 number where people used to call whatever. She used something like that, I think. And the way that it came back, because she knew my, my birth mother's full name. And when it came back, there was so many people with that name that it was like, oh my gosh. So my mom said, you know what? She said, let's get a P.O. box. And let's start with everybody in this state oh and let's just write letters. So my mother hand wrote every single letter and started writing to these women. What? And the way she put it was, is um, like, did you live in the Bronx in January, 1984? If so, please contact me, you know, and that's what she put. So wow. this started, oh I'm going to say this started maybe like in the fall I'm going to say November, December. And I think by the beginning of February, we already heard from her. And we had responses said, you know, I'm not the person you're looking for, you know, this, that, and the third. But then her letter came in and she said, I think I am the person that you are looking for. And she left the phone number. So I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is crazy. 
because now it's like, and it's so surreal because I'm like, I'm literally touching something that my birth mother touched. Like, it's weird. You know what I mean? And I think that only adoptees could really relate to that feeling, you know, but I would think of it to a feeling like if somebody like got a letter from a celebrity or something like that. And you're just like, I can't believe I got this in my hand. So I was like, call her, like, call her. What are you waiting for? So she said, let me call her first. You know, let me call her first and, you know, let me feel her out a little bit. And I love her because she was always so like protective over, you know, like it didn't matter, you know? Um, So she, I go upstairs, (laughs) we had a cordless phone and I'm just waiting for her to be like, Amanda, pick up. So she called her, she talked to her, I guess. And I picked up the phone and I started talking to my birth mother. Yep. So that was. That was no words. <laughs> yeah. And then she said, hi, Amanda. You know, and I was like, hello. And we started talking. And then she said, I have somebody I want you to meet. And I said, okay. And then somebody else gets on the phone and says, hi, Amanda. I'm your older sister. And I said, what? What? Older sister. Oh, my gosh. So at the at the time, I was like, oh, my God, I have an older sister. I was like, this is awesome because I've always wanted a sister. I've mm-hmm. always, you know, and as a kid, like I had imaginary friends. It was my sister. That was I don't know if it, she was older, but it was a sister. So I always wanted a sister because I had an annoying brother. So I didn't want a brother. You know what I mean? And then I was always the oldest. So I was like, oh, now I'm the baby. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so it was nice. So then um, we talked maybe for about an hour and then. uh we made arrangements to meet up within the next couple of weeks because we still, she actually living in the Bronx. Okay. I have two questions before we go on to the meeting of that, because that's amazing. Uh Uh, The first question is how did you feel knowing you had an older sister and she was not adopted? Um, I think at, at that time I was so, like it was the adrenaline and I was so shocked. I was just happy to have her on the mm-hmm. phone because mm-hmm. I had so many questions for her, you know, and I was just so happy at that, that point. Um, now, after I thought about it, I was angry. I was yeah. angry and I was like, I don't understand. And the way that I said it, I said, well, usually people have kids when they're young or whatever, and they give that kid up and then they have right. a, kid a couple years later and maybe they're in a better situation or whatever. And then, you know, so that's why I was like, why me? You know, mm-hmm. um, but that was like kind of like the question of my life. Why me? You know? Right. So, I mean, I, like I said, at that point, I, I didn't I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to literally meet her in a couple of weeks. So that's what I was thinking about. OK. And my second question was, I think that answer makes sense because like you're in you're in shock and then it's exciting. And then you're kind of like, wait take a step back a little angry. So that process sounds about right from past interviews and Mm -hmm. kind of my own experience with having a brother who's still with my birth mom. Um, But another question, since she uh, was still in the Bronx and you're not far from there, did you ever fantasize about like seeing her on the street or? Every time. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we didn't even have to be in the city, to be honest. I mean, mean, yeah, that's, for you know, sure, that I makes always sense. thought and I said, I love going to the city. But let me tell you this. Every year for my birthday, my parents took me to the Bronx Zoo. That's I where just they got chills. Me. Every year. And they said, this is where we went when we were waiting to pick you up. Every <sighs> year, until probably, I, I'm going to say 12. 
We uh, we went to there at least once or twice a year, and it would have to be at least one time during the winter time when I was born, since I was born in January. Wow, I absolutely love how supportive they are because. I mean, through all those little yeah. things, those little things mean so much. And writing yeah. the handwritten letter to find your birth mom, mm-hmm. helping yeah. you with that. I mean, it's a lot for us to even ask for that help or ask that you mm-hmm. want to do that. And to have that support is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I no, do. It, have, it really oh, sorry. Is. Go ahead. No, you, no, I was just saying, yeah, it, it is, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to, I would like to know more about like, I mean, because I know you had mentioned like your um, your parents were like just wanted to be parents. It didn't matter how. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said that they had some adoptions that like fell through prior to that. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know more about like what happened or like what the length of process they've been? They were kind of waiting for things. Um, I'm not sure, but what I think when I start when I felt like I wanted to search for my mother. I started being nosy and I started that my parents had a filing cabinet in their closet and I started looking through papers, which I don't know if I told them that, but oh, well, I'll tell them later. <laughs> but, um, but they had a filing cabinet and I was looking through and I saw papers and it was highlighted because they used to put newspaper ads out back in, you know, the eighties. So it said, you know, loving couple, whatever, looking for, looking to adopt, you know, stuff like that. So it was more, um, I think also they wanted to adopt, I think it was um, an Asian baby at first. And I believe that they were trying to push off an Asian child on them before any, any other child. Um, And I think that's one of the ones that fell through. Um, And then also I think it was, um, you know, they, they were, I think the way that they were telling me is they kept trying to say, you know, here's a white baby, here's a white baby, you know what I mean? Like that. And they're like, and I think that the mother might have backed out. I'm not too sure about that. That's something I just didn't ask, you know, them. But, sure. um, you know, obviously, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure exactly. She just told me, like, you know, a couple they fell through. Um, so I just assume, you know, sometimes they do fall through. You know, sometimes right. the mother backs out, you know, because technically, you know, unless until she hold, hands the child over, you know, it, it could change. Exactly. Was so. there, um, how many years after you were adopted was your brother? Cause he, you said he was from New Mexico. Yeah. Like I literally a year and two weeks. We're literally oh, wow. a year and two weeks apart. Mm-hmm. He was a week old when he was adopted. And my mother, I stayed home with my dad since I was still young. And my mother flew to New Mexico and picked him up and then flew back. Wow. Yeah. That is so interesting. Okay. So he's not much younger than you. So like, is his view on, I mean, obviously you guys, since you have the same parents, it's like you are clearly very supported. Was that always, like you said, there was like a lot of like, whenever you had questions, they would answer them very openly. Do you feel like he has kind of the same, for lack of a better term, vibe around? No, no, No. we're night and day with everything. We're completely different people. And it's so funny because I was talking to my best friend the other day and I said, me, you would think that we grew up in a totally com- com- different household, like seriously. But he did not. Um, my dad and my brother took a trip. They took a road trip out west and they had to go through New Mexico. And my dad said, listen, we're in New Mexico. Do you want to stop and, you know, maybe do some research or whatever? He has he wants nothing to do with with anything. At all. He doesn't even I don't even talk to him about it. I've never talked to him about his adoption, nothing. It's completely. Really? Yeah. 
Yep, he's never wanted to. He's actually embraced my biological family very much. My cousin, he has a, yeah, my grandmother, my biological grandma, yeah, which is very, it's, you know, he used to hang out with my cousins, my biological cousins and stuff. Mm-hmm. But his family, he wants nothing to do with them. It's a hard thing to do that search. So maybe having you do it was enough for him. But that is so interesting. That's so fascinating. Right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to be so shocked because like I'm like that, like where I'm yeah. I'm yeah. interested in like talking about the adoption part, but it's like the element of my birth family or birth mom being the pivotal point in my self-discovery mm-hmm. doesn't really hit me the same way. So like mm-hmm. But is, so is he kind of like that where he talks even about adoption at all? Or is it really just everything shoved back? Nope. Nothing at all. Yeah. Nothing at all. Like, but you know, also because I mean, he's, he's, um, you know, Mexican and Native American and he's, you know, of olive skin complexion, but he has green eyes. And he, when we're growing up, he had pin straight hair. So he also kind of looked like he could be their kid. You blended know, I, a little better. So, you know, as far as certain things, we didn't have the same experience, experience. Mm-hmm. when it came to that racial piece. You know what I mean? Because he looked like one of their, like he could be one of the kids. Sure. My mom had dark hair. You know, I mean, he, my mom, my dad had light eyes. So it was kind of like, I was, work, yeah. Out, exactly. Yeah. And even to this day, people are like, I didn't know that was your brother, you know, because I like, you know, we have the same last name. Um, but I was like, don't even associate with him. Like, no, you know, because what did he do now? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, I don't I don't know. I have no idea. OK, but it's literally like we're night and day. That is fascinating. Yeah. And he was and they asked him, they asked him when we did, you know, try to look for mine and he but he never wanted he wasn't even interested. Huh. Mhm. I think he has I think he has a really big grudge against his birth mother. I it think It sounds like there's a lot of resentment and hurt there exactly. for sure. And some people just express some people just don't talk about it and you know they express it differently. And he's for sure. just, I guess he's just going to keep it on the back burner and you know that's it. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Mhm. Uh, but as far as being supportive, I mean they've always been supportive, you know, of him. Yeah. You know, until this day. Um, I mean, that's one thing that, and I think that's why I'm at this place and why I am and why I do like the education piece that I do and everything, because, mm-hmm. you know, our family was not perfect, you know, and some would even categorize it as being dysfunctional. We had a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of stuff, but the thing is, is that we've always come out of it. You know what I mean? We've always remained, even if there were periods of time when we didn't speak to each other, you know, that has happened before. But I believe that the beginning, the foundation, you know, the bonding, the the trust building, you know, creating that safe space for us and stuff like that. That's kind of what brought our relationship right now with me and my parents. Like we talk every day. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, they are so supportive in my life and everything else that I'm doing. My daughter, um, my daughter admires them so much. So it's kind of like, you know, everybody has their own opinions on adoptions. But my thing is, is I know I can't stop kids from being adopted. You know, I know I can't stop it. But if I could help educate these parents on things that I had to go through 
So these children do not have to go through it as much as I did, or they could prepare themselves better than I feel like I'm doing my job. Absolutely. Yes. The thing is, is because you know what? Family preservation was not an option. I had two, there were two biological family members that wanted to adopt me. And she said, no. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, so what was my option then? Do you know what I'm saying? So I was, yeah, a thousand percent. What was I supposed to do? Not be adopted because they were white or was I supposed to be thrown in foster care? Exactly. No, we, we are the exact same way with that entire thing. Cause like that's, I think, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but like with us, when we started the podcast and it was really like, I don't know if you're familiar with the term coming out of the fog when it comes to adoption. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that has just been like realizing, or I don't even know, just kind of hearing and realizing so many more other adoptees experiences, good or bad, you know, in whatever way you want to label it, good and bad, you know, it's like, it's so, it's just all relative, but for us, it's been so like seeing all these different things and hearing these different opinions and, when we first started, I think we were a lot more like optimistic and positive about like adoption is great. Like we believe in it, even though it felt a little like weird to be like so pro adoption. And the further we've gotten into it, it's been like, we hear about a lot of people that are, you know, anti where it's mostly just backed by anger. Whereas with where we're at in the middle, we're kind of like, well, all we can do is make the experience less terrible, you know, and, and just awareness too, because exactly. it's, awareness. It's, it's us having these conversations to realize exactly. that, you know, my life wasn't all peaches and cream. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it oh, took yeah. a lot of work and it took a lot of work on my parents' end. And my thing is, is they took on a responsibility by choice, you know, mm-hmm. and some people have kids, some people don't plan to have kids. But you don't treat that child, you know what I mean, like any different. You still put in the work to, to take care of that child, to make sure that child has their needs. But you're opting in for this responsibility. So exactly. if you're not going to do the work, you know what I mean? That That's where I have an issue, you know? Exactly. Adopt, 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 but they don't realize the the commitment and, you know, the needs that that child needs, whether it's transracial adoption, you know, adoption. Or not, or not. I mean, regardless, we, we have a lot of the same trauma and this needs to be dealt with. It doesn't need to be ignored. And it's like, you know, my child's fine. My child. Yeah. Well, guess what? I hid my, I hid mine. Good. Yeah. I think we all, because we so don't want to be the problem not, child and not want to. And we're afraid. We don't want to be rejected. Again. I get issues like you would not believe. Yep. And it suffered, it took, came over to my friendships, my, my intimate relationships, you know? So, I mean, I could go on and on about Girl, that. Girl, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, for yes. sure. <laughs> but the thing is, is that's why I said, you know what? Like, I want, I want to bring change. I really do want to bring change. Now, I'm one person, so I'm doing it my, you know, the way that I know how. Exactly. But, you know, eventually, you know, it's like, okay, people are like, oh, well, you give this family $40,000 instead of giving it to an adoption agency or something like that. Well, let's put it this way. If my mother, which she wasn't, but if my mother was addicted to drugs or she had a gambling problem or something like that, what do you think that she would have done with that $40,000? Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like sometimes people speak out of anger, but it doesn't make any sense. They think Mm -hmm. it makes sense because all they need is one person to say... That's it. And then Mm -hmm. they run with it. 
it's mm-hmm. like, are you really, I'm speaking because I want people to listen. I want people to hear me. I'm not making noise. You know, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to let them know this is, this is, these are the issues. Now I could, I could help you and I could educate you. I'm not going to do the legwork for you, but I'm going to tell you what your child needs and what you should be doing as a parent because these kids mm-hmm. have no voices. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No voices, and they need people to advocate for them and stand up for them. And what better than our generation who have been, you know, through all we've been through so much change. Think about it. I mean, granted, my parents have been through a lot in their generation. But if you think about our generation, we've oh, yeah. been through a lot. I know. <laughs> I feel like we're older than we should be. Right. <laughs> like, come on. Like, if you think about it, even last year, you know. Oh my so God. Kind of like, you know what, if we're going to be that generation to, to kind of make that change, we could do it. But I feel like there's a way to do it. We could do it with class. We could do it with professionalism. We could do it, you know, in a way where it's kind of like, Hmm, I'm going to listen to this person or not like, you know what, that person's you know, so crazy right now. And <laughs> I'm not going to deal with it. You know, I don't want to be that person, you know, For my, sure. anger, um, you know, my anger, um, of course, I have good days and I have bad days. That's that's anybody. Something could trigger me and that's it. You know, I, I'll be down for a little bit, maybe even a day, you know, but the difference is, is now I know how to get myself out of it. Now I know that I'm like, no, this is something that she did and I refuse to let her decision take control of my life anymore. Exactly. And that's the point because when, when you have that anger and you allow it to control you, that person wins. That person mm. won. And people aren't understanding that. You need to come above it and to kind of do something with it, whether it doesn't even have to be speaking. It doesn't have to be, you know, whatever. But just use your anger to something more positive because you're just allowing that to take control over you. I think you made a really good point too in just saying that, like, it's our generation that's making this change. And I think there's a lot of reasons why, like, Number one, just with the way that we're trying to turn the way that the world is looked at and the way that community is thought of and diversity and the importance of that. Plus also just with the way that mental health awareness is being in the forefront and actually being considered with so many different things. And also the way that technology has advanced. Like we, you know, this wasn't happening even five years ago. People yeah. like, like just random people weren't able to just, you know, podcasts are so common now yeah. where anybody yeah. can do them to a degree, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a challenge, but it's still like something that ordinary people can just do. And yeah. I think that that like, especially just with the way that all of these things like need to be reformed. And I think a lot of people that we talk to, especially are just like, they agree to that extent where it's like, yes, there just needs to be a change in things. It's not, nothing's ever going to get rid of it entirely. And I don't think it's practical to think so. Um, That, and also just going back to what you said earlier as well, is what we always have kind of started saying a lot more is the work doesn't, like your, your journey of adoption does not start from when you filed the paperwork to when you pick up your child. It is, that is the, that's step number one. That is like, it's not just the picture of greeting them at and meeting the family and like, welcome home. So-and-so like blah, blah, blah. It's like, that is the beginning. And I think every person, every like couple and hopeful parents need to know that, like that needs to be one of the first things that they know is like, Hey, guess what? 
this is just the beginning. Like there is yeah. so much more after this. Yeah. And I really, I really admire the parents that come to me before or when their children are really young, you know, like I talk to parents who these kids aren't even walking yet, you mm-hmm. know, and these parents are, you know, talking to me and confiding in me and saying, listen, this happened. And it could be something so small, but the fact is you're, you're realizing. And when they're working with me, they're picking up on things that they would never have picked exactly. up on. So my thing is, is like the whole thing is with coping with racism, you know, mm. you, you're not going to know as a white parent to pick up, you're not, you're just not going to understand sure. or know what to look for. So I'm throwing stuff out there like, okay, you know, how is the supermarket? How is this? How is that? Some lady came up to her and she said, oh my God, I just love black babies. They're so beautiful. And I said, well, what did you say? Because that's inappropriate. You know, and she was and she said, you know, I felt uncomfortable, but then I didn't know what to say. And I was like, tell her it's inappropriate. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just something like that where it's kind of like you're teaching your child how to allow others to treat them. So when you're doing it and I'm teaching you what to say and what to do and how to react, this is how you're going to teach them. You know, because then when they get into school or a teacher says, oh, my God, you have the most beautiful black skin or something. She's going to say that's inappropriate. You know, mm-hmm. or something because they're te- they're learning it. You know what I mean? And these are things where she's like, I never even thought it was so simple. But she was so afraid. She didn't want to start anything. She didn't want to seem rude. She didn't want to seem, you know what I mean? Like she just, you know, didn't know what she was talking about or whatever. But she was like, that's like how you put that. She was like, it would just made sense. You know, so even something as simple as that, um, you know, is helpful you know, to, to white adoptive parents. And, you know, that's what I feel like if certain things happen like that, it's like, now they're aware. Now you're aware when somebody says something like that or makes a, you know, about their hair, about their complexion, about, you know, um, you know, now you know how to react. You know that these are inappropriate. You know, you know, these are, you know, microaggressions, microaggressions that these kids are going to face and you are their support. You're their ally. So you need to stand up because they don't know any better. Exactly. And I guess since we're on this before jumping back into your story, do you want to just like let our listeners know what you do, why you started uh, Black Girl White Family? What can what support resources do you have for them? Mm -hmm. So um, my journey. um, So in December of 2020, I lost my job, a job that I had for almost four years. Um, And that was a trigger. Um, It was a huge trigger because, again, I felt rejected. I felt unworthy. I was like, what did I do? Um, and it was something that wasn't even that big of a deal. Um, but you know, Hey, so I, for like about four days, I was in my bed. I didn't want to speak to anybody. I was going through that depression. Like that's when it kicked me again. Um, and I started thinking about my adoption and I said, you know, um, long story short, my, my mother, me, my birth mother and my sister, my biological sister, we've been estranged for a couple of years. So that's where that trigger came from. And I said, you know, I said, this is just how my life is supposed to be, you know? And I said, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to get it out. Um, And I just started recording a video and just talking about my adoption story. That's literally what I started doing. And after I started talking, I felt so much better. So I said, let me keep going. Like after, I think a couple days later, I said, you know what? I feel really good that I just let it out. So I recorded another video and I continued on with my adoption story. And then that turned into another video. So I started to upload them on YouTube and I literally just left them alone. Like I just uploaded them, whatever. I was like, maybe somebody will listen to me. 
And next thing you know, I just started getting emails and stuff like that after like a month or two. Um, I could relate. This is so crazy because I feel the same way. So I said, you know what, let me create an Instagram to go along with my YouTube. And then that's when I entered the adoptee community. And I was like, wow, all these people are saying basically how I felt all these years. Then I started talking to some of them. We started meeting offline, having Zoom calls. Um, People started asking me questions like in DMs and stuff like that, just based off of what I was posting. And I really was just posting what I was feeling just about my life and just venting. That's really what it was. It was me venting. And a lot of questions started coming in and people were just like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Like, this has helped me. And I'm just like, it has, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's helped me, but it was just venting made it me feel so much better. And then having people um, you know, that were able to relate to what you were feeling made it like a hundred times better. So then what happened is I, this lady reached out to me. Um, she was actually a success coach and I took a six week program and she was amazing. And she literally, you know, I told her that I always wanted to become an entrepreneur, all this other stuff. And I said, I just want to help the younger generation of transracial adoptees. I don't know how to help them, but I said, I just want to help them. I want to speak. I want to travel. Um, You know, I want them to know that like healing is possible and stuff. And this is in the beginning of my healing, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell my story without crying. Um, But I did, you know, I did podcasts. I was, I would cry. You know what I mean? I would literally cry, but that's one thing I've always remained myself. Like I was always very genuine. And I said, you know, excuse me, it it might be a little, you know, emotional, but I'm going to do the best I can. Um, but that's really it. And then one day I think I did something and I was like, I'm just a black girl in a white family. That's it. And I was like, wait, I'm Mm. black or a white family. Yeah, that's me. You know? And then that's literally what happened. And I started to create workshops. I started to create training material. Um, I started to do one-on-one sessions with parents. Um, and pretty much that's how it happened. And then it just kind of took off, um, to the point where now I'm hosting my own workshops. So I host workshops that are very intense. Um, very, um, you know, I don't sugarcoat anything, but again, I I speak and I want them to to hear me, you know? So I'll tell you like, listen, you're not going to be able to do this a hundred percent. This is, I'm, I'm giving you an outline. It's up to you whether or not you use it, you know, but this is what needs to be done. And people are really learning. Um, Parents are having an amazing feedback uh, with their kids. We're talking about resources in their area. Even when parents move, they're talking to me about where they're moving, about the school. How do you think the school is? Whatever. And I'm like, "Mm, no, uh uh-uh. You know, so that's basically what I do. Wow. I really, um, I, I coach them on their lifestyle. I tell them about their lifestyle. I say, you know what? This isn't going to work. This is not going to work. I don't tell them what to do, but I tell them what's needed in order to help their child thrive and to Mm -hmm. help their child to develop a racial identity. So I'm not like a, you need to do this. You need to do that. But I'm like, this is, this is it. So it's up to you whether or not, you know, how, how committed are you to your child? Put it that Mm. way. How committed are you? You know? Um, and some parents, oh, you know, I've been through something like this before. Oh, no, I can't do this. And I can't. OK, go ahead. That's fine. You know, but the thing is, is the parents that are meeting with me and the parents that I mean, I've met some really great, like genuine people, you know, really genuine people that just they just want to know what to do and how mm-hmm. to do it. So this way, you know, their children will have um, opportunities 
you know, opportunities for growth and, you know, be able to, you know, grow up and be proud of being black and be proud of their culture and not afraid that when they step in a room full of black people, they're going to be like, I don't even know what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just, that, that's pretty much what it, what's how it took off. <laughs> well, congratulations on that's your amazing. success already. Yes. That's amazing. And we're excited to see you continue to grow on that. Thank you. From that, I guess, um, what resources do you provide to the parents? And are there different support groups that you also have them check in with, um, like on Facebook? Or what's some advice you'd give to hopeful white parents who want to do, you know, transracial adoption, things like that? Um, I do have a a Facebook group. I did start it, but I'm going to be honest, it's a little dry in there. Like Instagram is a little bit more (laughs) popping, you know what I mean? I I post stuff in there, whatever, but I feel like Facebook is a little slow for everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm more like an Instagram person, but like I said, I do the workshops. Um, Right now I'm working on courses, which I'm just going to do like day courses. So I'm going to do like series of those, um, whether it's, you know, uh, kind of coping with, you know, or connecting with your teen adoptee, you know, or something like that, or whether it's finding resources or whether it's, um, you know, maybe family issues or something like that. Like my whole thing is helping families grow together. So it's like, it's not just, you know, the, the, the parent, like the parent, I feel like the parent needs the confidence in order for them to fully support their child. And some people lack the confidence because they're afraid it's new to them. They're afraid some of these parents, I'm going to be honest with you, they have never been a black community. They've never been to certain things. But these are the things that they're going to have to be uncomfortable. If you're making this choice, you have to be uncomfortable. My Absolutely. mother, when I was four years old, my mother stopped a black woman in the supermarket and said, hey, I don't know how to do my daughter's hair. I see you have daughters the same age. Do you mind helping me? And their friendship lasted for 30 something years. until wow. she You know what I mean? So she was uncomfortable. And this was in the eighties. That's great. I think that's I think that's a good piece of advice, honestly. Just get mm-hmm. uncomfortable. That's yeah. important and it's put gonna happen. And put in the work. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, you know, you get to take on this responsibility. It's like, okay, you want to adopt a black child and that's it. Now your family's Yeah, home. that's not how it works. No, like you said, you know, this is just the beginning. And yep. that child, you need to prepare yourself. People say, you know what, I'm going to wait because they're too young and whatever. That's nope. not it because they will, it will happen. My question started at four years old, four years old. I started realizing it was a difference. I started touching my mother's hair, you know, and I used to play with her hair and stuff like that. That was me being curious, but people wouldn't think like that. Do you know what I'm saying? But as an mm-hmm. adoptive, I was playing with her hair because I was curious as to why her hair felt like that. And why my hair felt like this, you know, I was upset because I had to put on a, a shower cap when I got in the pool. <laughs> why doesn't my cousin have to do that? You right. know, that why now I'm, I feel out of place, you know, now my mom has to go in there and comb my hair, do all this stuff. Why do I have to do that? And she does it, you know? So it's mm-hmm. just certain things like that, that they need to be aware of. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with people asking you like, oh, are those your parents? Obviously, you being black and then being white, you probably got that question a lot more often. Um, so I used to just say like, I'm adopted. That's it. And hopefully that would just kind of cover the bases a little bit. <laughs> but it's like, from where? What do you mean you were adopted? You know, I didn't like to answer questions. I didn't like to answer questions about it. Um, 
when I started, I'm going to say around nine or 10, I started to get really defensive and people were staring. Hmm. Um, we were at a restaurant. Our family was at a restaurant, the four of us, and people were staring. And I literally went, what are you looking at like that? And my wow. mom was like, she didn't even say nothing. Cause she was like, like, go ahead, Amanda, go. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and my I grew up in Italian. So my mom was Italian, so nice. she okay. really like you know little spice to her. So she was just like, like what are you staring at? You See, know, we had like Minnesotan that. mothers, so I don't think that would fly here. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but you know, but that's what it was. And my mom remembers it. She tells me to this day. She's like, "Do you remember when you stood up and you, you know?" So then I started to get defensive, and I think that was protecting myself. There was a period where I was very. Um, you know, I would lash out to the point where I didn't even like people staring at me when I was by myself. You know, why are mm-hmm. they staring at me? My mom's like, why do you always worry when you're out? And pe-? I said, because I've always, always got stares. People always looked at us, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, traveling around the world. That's one thing my parents always did. They were teachers. So in the summertime they had off, we would travel the whole summer and we would go to places that were definitely, you know, I mean, being from New York, you know, it's more common to see different, you know, different families. But um, we would go places and people would just look at us like we were weird, you know, like it was just awkward. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I didn't, I tried to avoid those questions, but if I had to, I would just be like, you know, I'm adopted. That's it. And walk away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, most people, they really kind of knew, you know, um, yeah. Like it, it was kind of like they we know that they're not your parents, you know, like we know you're adopted. So um it was more kids in school that I didn't know, like that weren't really friends with me outside of school. That's pretty much where the questions came from. Sure. That makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm excited to hear about the meetup with your birth. No, let's loop back to the, the letter and then the phone call and then making the time to meet each other. Like tell us all about it. um, So, yeah, so we decided to meet up with them. So like I said, it was an hour away. So me, my mom, my dad, my brother drive into the Bronx. And I remember like, it's so crazy because I literally could picture us driving in the car. Like right now, I I remember me just looking at everything past and, you know, you drive in the car and things, you know, it kind of seems slow, like slow motion, you know, like it's like, this is really about to happen. So when we first pulled up, I really, I was afraid to get out of the car. Like, I was like, I don't think I, I want to get out of the car. Like I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't, I don't want to do this, you know? Um, and my, my, my dad was like, come on, like we drove all the way here. Come on, get out, get out, get out. So I was like, all right, fine. So we go into the building and she had like a walk up. So we had to walk up a couple flights of steps. So I think, I don't know if my brother was ahead of me, but my parents were behind us. And I think I was behind my brother. And we're getting to, I believe it was like the third or fourth floor. And this lady comes out of the door. And I look and I like, I literally knew it was her. And she just came up to me and she just hugged me. Like she just (sighs) hugged me and just, just holding on to me. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, like this, like, you know, and she started like tearing and stuff like that or whatever. Um, and then like, we just looked at each other and I was like, oh my gosh, this lady looks so much like me. You know what I mean? Wow. So then we go into her apartment and my sister's there. Um, two of my aunts, three cousins and my biological grandmother. Whoa. Yeah. So it turns out I had, um, my mother had three sisters 
Um, one of them actually had passed away the year prior to us meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and she had three sisters and I had um, two, three, I had four cousins, like four first cousins. Um, and then my biological grandmother. Yeah. So we sat there, they gave me some gifts. We sat down, we talked a little bit. Um, we took some pictures and then I pretty much left. Um, it was, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like, I didn't want to go. Like I knew I had to go, but in my mind, like I was, and I, and again, this is crazy, but I was thinking like, is there any way like they could kind of like rip up the papers? You know what I mean? Like kind of like, let's like, I found her now. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. good. Like you guys could leave me, you know what I mean? And even though I love my parents so much, it was just that, that, peace you know what I mean that I've been wanting and looking for and I found it it's literally right here in the flesh and I didn't want it to I didn't want it to end you know so when I was leaving my thing was is like did she like me like am I gonna talk to her am I gonna be able to spend some time with her um so that summer we had a huge family reunion with my adoptive family and biological family they came out to Long Island And we just had like a huge barbecue and all this other stuff, music. And, you know, it was really good. Um, And then throughout the, I think throughout my junior year, you know, my sister would come hang out with me. I would go stay with my sister. My sister had her own place. She was 19 and I was at 16 at the time. Um, So we're three and a half years apart, me and my sister. So um, I hung out with her. And then I would go stay with my mom in the Bronx and I would do that for a couple of summers. And whenever I had off from school, I would go in there and hang out with her. Um, And then things just, I don't know if it's because I was just a teen and I was acting out, but the thing that nobody ever asked me was if I was okay. Like Mm -hmm. nobody, everybody acted as if it was like, I, I was gone on vacation and I just got back. Oh, it was very, it was very secretive. And when I talk, you know, people talk about gaslighting, my gaslighting in the beginning was like that pedestal, you know, that, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you're so beautiful. You're like your mom, this, that, and the third, you know, and everything. And it was always like, it made me feel awkward. Like I was the center of attention, which was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like, nobody wanted to talk about Amanda's adoption. Nobody wanted to bring it up. Nobody said anything about it. It was just like, boop, I'm there. That's it. Wow. So I think that now looking back, that was something that was needed. I just didn't know how to ask. I didn't know how to talk to, how, how to talk to her. And again, there goes that fear of saying the wrong thing. I said, I just found this woman. I don't want to say anything that's going to make her feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or make her, you know, to the point where she doesn't want to talk to me. Like, let me just enjoy it while, you know, while I have her with me. So I was afraid to start asking her questions about my adoption. Um, one year, uh, she took me to Indiana where we had more family and I had asked her about my father. Um, and she said, you know what? you know, now's really not a good time. We're still getting to know each other. You know, I just want to keep you to myself for now. And you telling an adopted child, you know, adoptee that, that's a shutdown. That's a rejection. That's a off the table. Yeah. That's had so many things that I was afraid. And after that, it was like, that's it. That told me I could not ask. 
Oh, um, wow. Not saying that she didn't say that, but that's how I felt. You know, being 16 years old or whatever, right. already having all these emotions and, um, you know, still trying to figure yourself out. I was like, okay, I'm, I don't want to piss her off. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So that was the one time I asked her and then that's it. Now, there are plenty of other opportunities where we've talked about things, but if I asked her a question, it was always how her life was so rough. Um, You know, she, this is what she had to go through. This is what happened. Um, You know, it wasn't fair. Um, I was, I didn't want people raising my child and talking about, you know, all I remember is sitting in a living room and people were talking about who was going to claim you on their taxes. And I couldn't have that. That, that was my excuse. That was the excuse. Mm -hmm. So I never got an answer to why she gave me up for adoption at all. Um, every time I even tried to like, even like, maybe it wouldn't come out, but I was like, okay, I'm going to tell her now if something would happen where. I mean, there'd be times I'd listen to her on the phone for 45 minutes and she'd be like, all right, well, let me go. I'll talk to you later. Like that. Yeah. So it was very difficult. Um, And then our relationship, we went for a period. We tried to even move in together. We lived together for about two and a half years. No way. We lived together. We tried to to work it out. I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, My sister had a huge impact on our relationship um I feel like she didn't want me around Mm. she was like it was different I'm your sister I love you I care about you you know what I mean but then on the other side it was like she would started to tell my mom some things about me and I didn't start realizing that until later And that's when my mom would come to me and she'd say, you know, well, I don't understand why you did this. We don't do that in this family. And I'm like, what are you talking Uh, about? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And I was like, (laughs) well, the only person that would say something like that because of the situation would be my sister. So I started to put two and two together. Um, So, yeah. So we went through a period of like three years where we didn't speak. Um, She didn't communicate with my daughter at all. Um, Nothing. And then she came back into our lives. She So she's been in and out of our lives. And what do we meet? 99? I'm going to say maybe like five or six times within the span of what, 20 something years. And this is like, because there's been breaks. You know what I mean? This hasn't been, so it's been like three years and then it, everything was good. And then she disappeared. You know what I mean? Stuff like mm. that. Um, but it was, it started to get to the point where um, I did everything wrong. I was too emotional. Um, I needed to get over it. Um, my sister has told me I need to stop talking to my, my adopted parents and I need to grow up and, um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So we tried to work it out. Me and my mom, my sister moved away. My mom and I tried to work it out again. Things were going really, really well. And, um, I decided this is still in New York. And I decided that I was tired of living in New York because the cost of living was ridiculous. So I said, my sister lived in Maryland. And even though me and my sister, we, it wasn't like, it was like we had real beef. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, like we don't talk to each other that much, you know? Um, And since we didn't grow up together and so it wasn't really, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like it's awkward. It's like, all right, my sister lives there, whatever. Um, You know, I've invited her to my daughter's birthdays and stuff like that, but she would just never show up. You know, she would never show up. But if you ask her, I never invited her ever. 
Uh, oh okay. my. Yeah, it's one of those. So yeah. long story short, my sister was telling me, you know, come out here to Maryland, you know, blah, 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 blah. I knew better, but I did. And I came out here in 2018, in April. My birth mother moved out here in May 2018. My birth mother lived with my sister. And now, mind you, our relationship was good. Mm-hmm. Like I said, moved out here in April. June, that's when everything started. I wasn't even out here for three months. <laughs> and now it's been two years since I've talked to them. And they live about 25 minutes away. Oh, my gosh. So that's basically how that relationship went with them. Um, I beat myself so, like, it was so bad because I thought it was me because I said, she's my mother. She loves me. This is my sister. She said she loves me. You know, this is, she just wants the best for me. That's why she's doing it. Until my sister called me to lunch one day and we went to IHOP. I'll never forget this. And we were sitting there talking and she literally ripped me a new one. When I tell you, she wasn't cursing or anything like that, but if you would have heard the conversation, you would have thought that I was the worst person in the mm. world. And I sat there in shock. And she went on to say, you know, I just thought at this age, you'd just be in such a better place by now. And, you know, I noticed um, some things in your daughter and it just seems like she, you know, like she's being raised by your parents. Like, I don't understand, but I guess, you know, you're her mother. So, I mean, I guess that would, you know, be accurate. Um, but, you know, I mean, even sometimes I just feel like, you know, even I don't even like wearing certain things around you because I feel bad because, you know, you're a single mother and you can't afford these things. So I understand. But that's what she did. And then she proceeded to tell me that um, she didn't want people who had mental health issues around her new child. Um, and she doesn't care who that is. And, and no, but this is out of nowhere. When, like, when I tell you I didn't speak to her for like months and this came out of nowhere, I just thought she wanted to talk and maybe like, you know, reconnect with yeah. me. Yeah. Right. So, like, and I literally started like tearing because I was like, what did I do? I moved out here to Maryland. When I moved out here, I sent my sister my address. She said, well, you live too far. I'm never going to be up there. So I don't even know why you're sending it to me. So that's what happened. And then, like I said, my mom moved with her. So she told my mom these lies. She told my mom I was snooping around her house. She told my mom I was doing all this stuff. And my mom confronted me. And at that point, I said, you know what? I got it. You know what? Just go on. Enjoy your lives. I'm just going to stay over here and live mine. Because it's it's unhealthy. You know, it is very unhealthy. And as I was doing, you know, I was doing some podcasts. I did a podcast with a birth mother and adopted mother. And the birth mother said to me, you know, you don't owe her anything. You don't owe her anything. And she, she said she never reconnected that bond with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you were not her daughter. You know, that was her daughter. So they teamed up and teamed up against me. But you know, now it's like people in the family, my biological family, they don't want to cross, you know, step on their toes and stuff like that. So some of my relationship, my biological family are like awkward, you know, because they, they don't want them to start, you know, anything or whatever. You know, my sister just celebrated um, one of her kids. I didn't even know she had another kid, to be honest with you, but she celebrated that kid's first birthday last month. Well, my biological family was out here. They drove past me and went to that birthday. And my cousins are like, where are you? What, what's going on? Where are you? 
And I'm like, oh, you mm. didn't ask them? So this is what my sister said. Oh, Amanda only lives 25 minutes up the street. So you're making it seem like I didn't show up. Not You didn't tell them that you didn't invite me or that we haven't talked for two years, but that's that's what they do. You know, oh, she lives right here. I mean, I, I she's good. My mom told an aunt that she has a wonderful relationship with my daughter. My daughter hasn't seen my mother in two years. Wow. She sent her maybe a $25 gift card for Christmas. That's it. That's a relationship. So, you know, so it's like a whole other piece to it where a lot of people are having difficulty with adopted parents. Mine weren't. My wow. adoptive was so supportive. My biological mother and sister were the ones um, that I had issues with. But my biological grandmother, I talked to her like three or four times a week. We text back and forth with each other. My cousins, we text back and forth with each other. My aunt, have a relationship with her. It's just those two. Have no idea why. You know, and like I said, some things I, I think when I was younger, you know, I might have did some stuff, but I was a teenager. I was acting out. I just wanted somebody to just listen to me or ask me if I was okay or right. you know, just tell me about my life. Why is everything such a secret? Mm-hmm. I think it's more protecting herself. It has nothing to do with me. You know, absolutely it has nothing to do. And the more I tell people, they're like, hmm, that sounds like a little bit of narcissistic behavior. She she wasn't worried about me. She's worrying about protecting something, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that it is. And that's the reason for my adoption, you know, because then it starts having me thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. Who is my father? And why don't you want me to know who he is? Mm-hmm. What really happened? Because I feel like that's going to be a whole other TV show. When I, you know, if I actually find out what's, you know, what's going on, you know, she would be, she would... Uh, I'm telling if she she probably she has no idea what I'm doing as far as this and talking about my adoption at all. Mm-hmm. At all. Wow. Yeah, it just sounds like she just doesn't want to be in the wrong, even though or like taking taking accountability is clearly not her strong suit. Right. Never. But you know, and now I think about it and I'm like, you know what? Um, it's sad because, you know, I'm about to get married next year. You know, I was gonna see us. I saw the rock on your hand. By the <laughs> way, gorgeous. I have been seeing it and be like, "Ooh, show but us! I, I want to see it. Let me see. Let me see it up close." Um, ooh, oh my oh, gosh! Oh yes, girl. Oh, look at that glimmer. Oh, thank you. I know. I love it. So he he surprised me in May. He actually we had we were supposed to have a family cookout, but it was actually a surprise engagement. <gasps> so. Aww. But like certain things like that. But again, my my adoptive family, my adoptive family from North Carolina, from New York, from everybody, they all showed up for me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Aww. So this is why, like, when I tell people, like, it's okay because everybody has different experiences. Yeah. You know? And as far as me to this point, like, I know if I'm able to do it and get through it with no help or no guidance or whatever, I know that these kids will be okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Or at least better off. Or in a better, you know, position if they just have somebody, a mentor. I do adoptee mentor services. I have just somebody to talk to to say, like, it's okay. Like, let it out. You know, if you want to let it out and cry and scream or whatever, like, do it with me right here. Like, we'll yeah. do it together. You know, it's fine. But, um, you know, these are the realities of adoption that people don't understand. And yeah. even though I found myself and I found my identity and I trusted a man enough to to you know, to marry, because that was a struggle. I would leave people, when I tell you I would leave people like last week or some trash or whatever, I would leave them because I was so afraid of being abandoned. Left? Mm-hmm. 
So if I send something, listen, I don't think it's working out. Yep. Like I'm gone. You know, <laughs> and that's how I was. But it took him to, you know, to be very patient. And, you know, he's still learning me. And he was like, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, you know, to trigger you. And he'll like, I'm teaching him the lingo too, because he knows he's patient with it. You know, and that's all I wanted my biological mother to do. Just be patient with me and help me to work through my trauma. Because we both have trauma. We could have worked through it together. And we could have been in a better place. You know, I would have respected her a lot more if she said, this is what happened. Or I just wasn't ready. Um, But the, the ironic thing is my mother was a model for the Apollo. So I was adopted in 84 and she's showing me pictures one day of her on the runway, um, you know, in a two piece and all this other stuff. So it's just, it's a lot that's like, what's really going on? What, like, what's right. going on? What do you, what do you not want me to know? You know, yeah. or is it something that you just haven't gotten over um, the, you know, it's crazy. And uh, I haven't told anybody, but I ordered my pre-adoption birth certificate. Because in New York, it made the, they made the records public, I believe, in November, February of 2020. So I waited. I ordered it in February. I just got it last week. And I was on the phone with my best friend. I was afraid to open it. And um, I was like, let me see what this says, you know? Mm-hmm. So I open it, and it has her name. It has, you know, her former address, my hospital, which I already knew, you know, where I was born. The doctor who gave birth to, you know, who, who delivered me, which was neat. But on the name... It says infant, whatever. And I thought to myself, and I said, wow. I said, so I didn't even have an identity. You know what I mean? Like, you think about that, and you're like, that, that, maybe that's why I was struggling so much. I didn't have an identity. I didn't even have an opportunity. Yeah. And then, then here comes the, you know, well, maybe, you know, justifying. Well, you know, she knew she was giving me up for adoption. Maybe that's why she didn't want a name. But still, you didn't even name me. I was going to say, it seems like it's, it just, it was just never any type of connection to any root that she even cared enough to provide you with. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand when we go about adoption for all different reasons. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because it's clearly, it wasn't an issue about not having enough money or whatever. There was family. I have a lot of family. And if my grandmother wanted to take me in or my grandmother wanted to do this, or her, or her sister, or her cousin, why wouldn't you allow them to, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, that wasn't an option, you know, and people are like, oh, family preservation. Yeah. But she didn't want me. That was not an option. You know, yeah. she didn't want me in the family. So it's like, like a lot of things, but then again, that was kind of like, I think if this was like last year and I found that I would have been a mess, but I was just like, wow. I said, she didn't even give me a name, you know, wow. that was like a, hmm. Because I talked to some, some actually it says, you know, whatever, whatever name changed to whatever, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. And I mean, she had me for three days. Where was I for three days? Right. For real though. That's right. Crazy to and think about. Birth, and your birth father wasn't on the birth certificate? Nope. Of course not. Okay. But, Shoot. you know, if she did or she said, okay, whatever, mm-hmm. that he would have to also agree to the adoption. She couldn't, um, have put, she couldn't have named it or even if she did know or whatever, she couldn't, she wouldn't do that. Otherwise they would have to get him to sign right. off, you know. Right. Have you tried 23andMe or anything like that? Um, not yet, but I, I want to. Um, there's, there's a lot of secrecy. Um, like I said, I don't like speaking on things that I'm not 100% sure of yet or if it's just not my experience. 
but I, I do want to find out more, you know, and it took me a while because I felt guilty. Like I was going behind her back, but then again, there goes that trauma because I'm so worried. Even, even I don't have a relationship with her right now. I'm still worried, you know, I'm still worried about whatever, but then this is my life. And if you don't want to tell me, I have a right to go and find out what's going on. I have every right to. And I'm sorry if you feel that I'm going to expose something or I'm going to find something out that you didn't want me to know, but you should have told me. Right. If it was something really bad or whatever, you should have told me. And at least that just tells me that you had no respect, that it was all about you from the beginning. So that's how I'm feeling because I don't have an answer. And mm-hmm. when we don't have the answers, then that's when we start to form assumptions and we start to make up our own answers. And that's the answer that's going to be right with me. You know, so if I say, okay, well, you didn't love me or whatever. That's why you gave me up. You didn't care. That's what I'm going with because that's the only answer I have. Do you have regrets uh, doing the search? No. Okay. Well, even though I had that's to good. go, I had to go through what I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm so, I'm in such a good place right now mentally. Like it's, it has been, like I said, I mean, there was one reason why I came out here and that was to find my husband, which I did. So obviously I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, it wasn't a total, you know, uh, fail, but you know, and his family is amazing. You know what I mean? So, but I don't regret it. I just wish that, you know, me and her have so many things in common and I feel like we could just be so powerful together. And, you know, even my daughter, you know, there's so many similarities with all three of us and, you know, it's just sad. I wish she would go to my wedding, but I'm afraid to ask her. You know, I'm afraid yeah. to ask her because number one, I don't want her to bring, you know, her, the tag along twin because I don't even know if I want my sister there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like her hype man. She's the one who strong arms her into doing, saying things or thinking certain ways. So, um, you know, I don't regret it um, because she has told me a lot about our family history. Mm-hmm. But I had a really heart-to-heart conversation with my grandmother and she started crying one day. And now this is maybe a month ago, okay? And she said, I just feel like this is all my fault. She's like, I feel like this is all my fault. I don't know why, you know, you're, I don't know why the relationship is like that with you and your mother. Mm-hmm. I really I really don't, you know? She's like, I, I really, I could not get it. And, she, and I said, well, why are you crying? And she said, because that's my daughter. Like, I don't understand why she's acting like that. Hmm. So, wow. you know, I'm glad I had that relationship with my biological mother because we talk about stuff. She talks about the history all the time. Um, you know, I was actually able to meet my great grandmother before she passed and also my grand my grandfather. So oh, my grandfather cool. was, you know, I was I, I've known him also. So, yeah, without getting answers, you still gotten some answers and some clarity in certain yeah. certain aspects. Yeah, and now I feel like at this point now I need to kind of close the close the the circle, you know, in yeah. a way. So I just have to be my own detective and and do it. That's the only way that it's going to work out. Right. You know, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with doing. Um, you know, it's not fun, <laughs> but I mean it's something that right. I feel like it needs to be done, especially having a child, you know, and trying to explain things to her. I mean, she to her this stuff is normal. Um, but what really got me was when she was 12 and she said, why does, why does Mimi treat you differently than she treats auntie? Jeez. And my daughter picked that up at 12 years old. And I <sighs> said, that's never good. <laughs> but, but she realized it. she saw it yeah. and she asked me and she said, well, why does she always ask me these questions when we're together? Cause my sister picked her up a couple times and you know, she was like, well, she asked me all these questions. And I said, what does she ask you? 
and she's like, I don't know. She asked me about my father and yeah. And I said, well, why would, why is she asking you these questions? And then my sister called me and she said, I think she's struggling. I think you need to get her help. And I'm like, what? Like that's, that's how like the mind games, like it was literally like, oh my God, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. You know? So I had, I had to let it go. It was too toxic. It was way too toxic. Yeah. I think that that's also just like an important piece for people to realize is like, that's a big part of the empowerment with it and coming out of the fog and having that be, you know, part of that process and being, being at peace with the fact that that might end up being kind of what happens. Cause I think that that's really hard for people to realize and you know, going into the birth family search, not that I've done it myself, but Mm -hmm. from outside perspective and just knowing that about adoptees and such is like when you go into that process and having such an open mind and making sure to not having it dead set on, you know, happy family at the very end, I think is really, um, something really real that you've been through. So I really appreciate you sharing that also, Mm -hmm. like all of that with us. That said that, yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say that said with like everything that you've been through, I'd be curious to know if there is, um, a piece of advice that you would give to somebody in a similar situation, whether that's maybe younger you or like when you were like, you know, just thinking about it either in like your teens or now, or, mm-hmm. you know, any particular time of your life that you would pinpoint as like a time that you would provide advice to someone. Um, I would say, you know, just be true, be true to yourself. Like there's nothing worse than you not being able to be yourself and being afraid to be yourself because Mm -hmm. of what people think. Like now I'm at the point where I don't care. You know what I mean? I do struggle with certain things, but it's more like, it's more authentic. You know what I mean? It's more me just being myself and just being like, all right, whatever. You know, um, my fear comes with either, um, you know, publicly, not so much, like me just being myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not afraid to be myself. I'm just afraid of interacting with strangers sometimes um, because I just don't know how to engage, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's that fear of rejection, you know? Like, would they like me? Are they not? Are they going to, you know, agree with what I'm saying? Aren't they? That type of thing. Um, That's why it was difficult for me to upload my YouTube videos at first. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, you know, just be yourself. Be true and... You know, if you want to find your birth family and you're struggling or, you know, you've had bad experiences in your adoptive homes and stuff like that, you know, there is always, you know, not saying to forget about everything and not saying, you know, to negate everything that you've been through. But, you know, change, you have a choice, you know, to live in anger. You have a choice to live in misery. You know, you have a choice to also live happy and be peaceful. And I feel like there's so much anger in the world, in everything. It's like, come on, like we could find light in something like this. Adoption is not all we are. Adoption is not something that has to, we don't have to die just being an adoptee. Yeah. You know, we could, we could say, okay, we are adopted, but I'm also good at this. I sing very well. I I write very well or something, but like use that to do something positive, you know? Um, and that, that's all I could say. Cause I wish I just started being more true to myself when I was younger. And I feel like I would have had a lot more self-confidence and, you know, better self-esteem, but everybody heals at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I am just kind of realizing over the past, you know, almost 
I mean, basically almost two years that we've been doing this, like every adoptee says something differently with this question. And it's Mm -hmm. always just so like, uh, I don't know. I just want to put them all in like a little flip book and just be like, these are all (laughs) so good. Like, (laughs) and I think that is so like, especially in your case, just with the way that you would approach wanting to find birth Mm -hmm. family is really, really strong for you is that it's like being true to yourself and being so confident in yourself and just like that all kind of molding into place over time. And that Mm -hmm. being something that was a part of you prior and now is even more so a part of you is really, really awesome. So Mm -hmm. you've done an amazing job. Thank you. But it it makes you, it makes you so much stronger. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I hated that person that I was, but I realized how, how upset and angry I was. I realized how that took over everything that I did, jobs, everything. You know, I was afraid to just apply for certain jobs because I was just afraid. You know what I mean? Like, that rejection. I just didn't want to get rejection. If I don't apply, guess yeah. what? I don't want <laughs> Yep. That's it, you know? So, yeah. Wow. Well, I guess that's all the questions I have. Risa, do you have any? I don't think so. I think that that sums everything up. So thank you so much for being a part of this and kind of joining the Colombian influence community to spread different um, stories so that we can talk about, uh, everybody's different experiences as adoptees. Um, that said, if you want to finish by plugging your, uh, you know, where to find you on Instagram and everywhere else, take it away. Um, everything is black girl, white family, Instagram at black girl, white family, um, website, www.blackgirlwhitefamily.com email info at blackgirlwhitefamily.com. I'm, I'm trying to keep it all together. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> people to find me and also my YouTube black girl, white family, um, black girl, white family. That's what it is. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. We hope to connect with you again soon. We love that we're getting everyone around the country so we can do a tour at some point and meet everyone in person. That's the plan at some point. So show us the, yeah, show us the food and where you live because you know, like, we all travel for food, and I love that we have that in common. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Have a great rest of your day, and let us know if we can ever do anything for you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, that was our interview with Amanda. That was a very eye-opening and very different than what we've normally done, So, and not really what I expected. Which, no, me neither. And I, I, I looked at a time. couple of things. <laughs> I looked at a couple of things on her Instagram. So I was like, oh, I kind of know about you. But then I'm like, wait, I don't know anything. And again, how adoption and stories are so different, yet the base of it is all the same. So we just appreciate her being vulnerable and mm-hmm. sharing her story and kind of giving us an outlook on something, again, we haven't ever Very experienced yeah. or heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, be sure to follow her on uh, on Instagram and check out her materials and everything. Uh, as always, please follow, like, comment, rate, review, <laughs> subscribe, yes. all of that. I can't even. Uh, for Colombian Influence, um, please be sure to check out our interviews as we continue. And uh, we're obviously continuing on with the book club. So be sure to keep checking that out. So until next time. Later.